Good evening, everybody. My name is Ryan Miner. I am here in Annapolis at the very famous Harry Browns, and I have a special guest this evening. I have our state treasurer, Nancy Kopp, spelled K-O-P-P. I had to look that up. So, <laughs> no, but um, uh, Treasurer Kopp, thank you so much for coming on. Is that right? I had a middle school art teacher named Mr. Cop, spelled K-O-P-P. Yeah, it, and I went to middle school. It could have been. Uh, I went to middle school up in uh, Williamsport, Maryland. So I'm sure you've visited up in Western Maryland many times. Is that right? What's the, what's the origin of your background? Well, that's right. Oh, okay. And then you came here. So you, you know, Treasure Cop, man, you are a political figure of all political figures in the state of Maryland. You have been the state treasurer since 2002. And then previously, of course, you remember the House of Delegates in Montgomery County from 1975 until 2002. Now, I should mention, I was born in 1985, okay? So you have been doing politics for longer than I have been alive, which says you have so much institutional knowledge. So let's start at the beginning. You've seen many changes in Annapolis since your career started, Um when you first got here in 1975, that is in, in Annapolis, what was what, what are some of those changes that you've seen over the years? Let me say, first of all, I came in 1971 as a member of the legislative staff, mm. and then was elected in 74. And one of the things when I was on staff, actually, I drafted the first letters of incorporation for what is now the Women's Caucus, mm. and there were about... What made you want to run for office, especially back in the 70s during uh, a period of tumult in American history? In 74, of course, uh, President Nixon, he, he stepped down, and here we are. And Maryland, of course, was on the map because we had a major scandal itself with Spiro Agnew here. <laughs> Okay. And uh, then when I was in graduate school in 1968, Right. So I just really ran because I was one of those people who wanted to change 
Have you always been a Democrat? So you're like my grandparents. My grandparents are middle-of-the-road people. My grandfather is 93 years old. He'll be 94 in July. He's a World War II veteran. Grew up uh, in Hagerstown, born and raised, and they raised my mom. and uh, my, my dad grew up in, um, in, in Washington County as well. And they've been lifelong Democrats. They voted for different parties. And uh, my grandfather has seen so much throughout Maryland politics. So, you know, I, I'm thinking back in 1974 when you ran for the House of Delegates. It must have been well, – well, first of all, I should mention that it was probably a completely different um, – Delegate, uh, or the, the makeup, the political map of Montgomery County was much different. I, there was not as much people in Montgomery County at that time. There's a million and one people. Yes. So, what district did you happen to run in? Yeah. That's when they, they they could elect Republicans in Montgomery County. Hmm. That's a name. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So District 16 now has some really good delegates in it. Was of course former Senator uh, Rich Madalino, who who knows a lot about budgetary issues. Yep, and. Yeah, that's where that's my home district. Treasure Crop, you went to Wellesley. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Oh, did you? Here, if you take the, can you hear me? Okay, all right. <laughs> you went to Wellesley, and I'm, I'm thinking this might have been around right around the same time as Hillary Clinton was at Wellesley. You did not cross. But Wellesley, of course, all-girls college, New England, Massachusetts. This was, uh, that's a big deal. What was that like back in the 60s, going to college in Wellesley? I 
I didn't have to worry so much about what what I said and worrying about what the was, <laughs> worrying about what to what to wear, and I could really focus on what I wanted to do, which was learning and having friends. So for me, it was very liberating, and it was at a time of ferment, and there were people. Almost everybody was a political science major. I'm sure, or liberal arts. No, this is the, you were at the peak of that. I mean, that was at the heart of... I, I would have loved to be a, a college student in the 60s and thinking of how that period of time in our American history would have shaped my beliefs because, you know, you were in the era of Bobby Kennedy, of, of JFK. Um, and I, you know, everybody remembers those pivotal moments in American history. You, I'm sure you remember where you were when JFK was shot and killed. And when Bobby Kennedy was shot and killed. It was Camelot. That's right. Sixty-eight was a terrible year. Yeah. Well, I I grew I was child of the '90s, which was a little bit different, and it was a more stable period. And I think in this country where this was the dot-com boom, and then I grew up. They they consider me at thirty-three years old technically a millennial, although I don't know if I feel like a millennial or not. Uh, you know, Treasure Cop, um, y- y- like I said, you've seen a lot of changes, but one thing that seems to be constant is that you keep getting reelected as the state treasurer. Um, and two weeks ago, you were reelected by, what was it, for, what's, what term is this now? The fifth term? Well, I finished out my predecessor's term in 2002. Yes. Some people in Maryland that uh, maybe don't follow politics as closely as you, you're in the mix of it, I report on it, I'm in the mix of it as well, and they might ask, well, Treasurer Cop, what do you do every day? What is that? So let's answer that question. What do you do? Mm-hmm. To borrow money twice a year, 
60% of which goes to education, schools, and universities, and 40% of all the other important things. And, um, and actually, the other function within the office is the insurance of the state. So if people are driving on the state highways and they hit a pothole mm -hmm. that should have been fixed and wasn't, and they wreck their axle, our office tries to take care of to take care of them. But so the, those are those are major functions of the office itself. And then of course I am chairing the state Yes. Trustees for the teachers and state employees pension and serve I'm glad you brought that up. The, the Public Works Board is a phenomena in this, in this day. It is very unique. You, you vote on state contracts, and that is having a much coveted spot, one of three on the Board of Public Works. Uh, that's a big deal in our state. And I think there's a mystique around our Board of Public Works, just as I was in New Hampshire last week, and we talked a lot about their executive council. They check the powers of the governor, and it's a traditionally weaker um, governor-run state. But in here in Maryland, the Board of Public Works, there's a lot of action that happens. And people are always wondering, um, Treasurer Cop, what is the relationship like between yourself, Governor Hogan, and Comptroller Peter Francho? It seems so. And that brings me to a one point and a question that um, an issue that you could potentially face is that, you know, the legislature, if they move to produce the annual bond fund, would you, in March, of course, there could possibility be, could be a, a raise in property taxes. Well, Mm-hmm. 
Jackson. And then in the last year of Governor Gertwood's term, it was reduced but not back to where it has been. And then it's been flat ever since. And um, obviously, we've been putting general funds into the budget. Right. The reason that we set the budget that we are calculating every year is because you, you set it after the budget passes and you know the amount of general funds. That are, that are in the budget to pay that service. All of the property tax rate, all of the property taxes at the state level go to pay for debt service, or, as I pointed out, the schools and these other things. If uh, the legislature uh, passes a budget which doesn't is projected to not have the general funds, then, uh, then when the Board of Public Works Needs to set the property tax rate. Um, we, I believe, have to set the rate of whatever we believe is going to be. We're going to pay our debt. Oh, sure. And there's no question about that. So if you have to increase the, uh, the property tax by a penny and bring it back to almost where it was under under Earth, then I think that's a responsible thing to do. But we, we have not gotten to that. In your opinion, your estimate, how do you see Maryland's fiscal state right now? How do you see our status? Um, are we in good fiscal shape? We are in good fiscal shape. We are among the strongest. As you know, we have a AAA bond rating basically because we have a very strong economy. Well, it means we pay our bills. We pay our bills. <laughs> and we also we have a very well-educated workforce, which means that if the, it's a flexible workforce, so that if something happens to the economy, we are more able to react positively than, than a lot of other, other places. But we were impacted by the government shutdown, the federal shutdown, and we are being impacted by the federal tax bill from last week. It, it's not exactly clear yet what the total impacts are, but uh, in the next week, we are going to be, I believe, reducing our projections of uh, income tax revenue over the next two years by not a huge amount, mm -hmm. but, but, by, but by, by some. The problem is it is very hard to project these things at a time of volatility and change. So we, we're pretty good. We're pretty conservative in Maryland. So if we think revenue are, are going to be down, we're going to, we're going to say that in, in a budget based on that. You received 134 votes out of 183, and uh, and of course every you're up for a term every four years. The you mentioned the legislature they they vote for you or not for you or not for you, and and this time we're did you did you get a consensus early on when you decided that you were going to put your name in again to to be for for election um, that. You would be reelected to to this position. Didn't Ben Jealous get one vote? I think he got a. I think he got a single vote. Yeah. Yeah. Was he? Was he your guy? I mean, even in the primary, or did you stay out of it? So you, so unlike 
Comptroller Francho, you uh, you stuck your neck out for the, the the Democratic nominee, whereas the Comptroller said, "I'm going to keep out of this because I have this relationship with Governor Hogan." <laughs> okay. Are your styles different, you and the Comptroller, and how you approach legislative issues? Would you be down in a committee, you know, uh, talking about? I mean, of course, he has the responsibility to regulate alcohol, but uh, it seems like the comptroller is willing to, I, I hate to use this phrase, but rage against the machine. He he sees a, a real machine in a underbelly of Annapolis politics that runs things, and uh, I don't see you as ferocious as he is. Okay. But your position is your, your role. Your role as the state treasurer is so nonpartisan. It's it's complete. It's it. I I feel like virtually no partisanship enters into these conversations that you have on managing the state's finances. Do you have a good rela- Sure. Do you have a good relationship with the Senate president and the speaker? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I, I think I have a pretty good relationship with most of the members of the legislature and uh, Well, you would have to. Treasurer Cop, after the vote, and like I said, you got 134 votes. After the vote, do you have conversations with those who maybe voted against you to say, let me just reassure you that we can all work together? Okay. And I know that during the time that you were facing re-election um, with the General Assembly, um, in, uh, that the Black Caucus, they raised some concerns earlier that you hadn't done enough to support minority businesses and awarding the state contracts and investing in the state funds. Well, what, 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 what would lead them to believe that, and what would be your reaction? Business, businesses. Um, I'm a strong proponent of, of, of 
Minority Business Program and reaching out, and I think we should do more than, than we do. So I have no disagreement with that at all. On these specific contracts, I think that we have a different view of what my legal responsibilities were and what the procurement process required. I am one who believes very strongly in a strong process and consistency, because that way you know from item to item that people are being treated equitably uh, over time and across the range of issues. So to me, I, I, and this is true in the legislature, I was very focused on process, not so much on uh, just making decisions one by one depending on how you want the outcome to be. Um, and so we disagreed on, on a couple of those issues, but, but I think there is an understanding that we have a very strong shared interest. I want to do all I can to expand the competitiveness of the, the bids for state contracts to get a much better bid, mm -hmm. better for the taxpayers, and we want to grow small businesses, minority and not minority. That's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, on that, there, there really was no and, you know, in that respect, do you do you sit down and talk to members who voted against you or some members who said that that had those concerns and say, OK, here's here's where I am and let's try to work together to to mend that. Did you assuage some of those concerns? Well, I'll take you to District 17. Well, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, you know, the, a lot's going on in Annapolis these days. Um, and it, the big issue right now is, sadly, there's an issue with a state delegate from Hartford County. I'm sure you've heard about it. And you're a statewide figure, and you're somebody who uh, obviously has an important voice. Um, what do you make of Delegate Marianne Lasante's uh, comment that uh, she was reported that uh, she made it uh, a, cigar, a cigar lounge over here in Annapolis? What do you, what's your take on that? I know what I read in the paper. I actually have been at a finance meeting out of state. Yeah. 
Well, I, there's literally, it's 5.44 on the show now, and we, at 5.45 p.m., the, the, the General Assembly and the Maryland House of Delegates, they're going to vote for a censure against the delegate from Hartford County who is reportedly made the, the racial slur, and she's apologized. Um, should they, should she step down? What you've been in You've been in the House of Delegates. What does a censure mean? Does it What's happened a couple times, and I know that a few years ago, I believe it happened to Delegate Tony McConkie from Anne Arundel County, District 33. There was an issue with an ethics issue, but it, it doesn't happen often in Maryland politics. Right. Well, and I wanted to ask you that Speaker Bush and Senate President Miller, they've been doing these jobs for quite some time. They, they know their way around state politics, especially. I mean, I, they are just wealths of knowledge. It's unbelievable uh, that we have such a, uh, a dynamic group of people leading our state. But let me ask you, who do you see as some of our next generation leaders? Who do you see as some upcoming stars in the, the General Assembly that could move in? Move into some uh, some of these positions. I don't see it moving to the Republicans, that's for sure, especially in this era. And uh, the, look, they have a supermajority. They won eight seats in the House of Delegates. And the, 
they defeated the drive for five by the Republicans. And it's it's interesting to see that you know, we have a Republican governor, but I think Governor Hogan has, has made his best efforts to govern the state from the middle, from the center. Uh, and depending on whether he decides to run for president in the future or not, we'll see what happens. But Mike... Yeah, and moving moving into think about the next four years, I think you, there's a lot of names that you you might hear being floated for for governor. Is there it, is there a leader of the Democratic Party right now that you see would be stepping out and you could say that's our that's our person in 2022? <laughs> Then again, we've had many. We have several county executives. I mean, look, think about the biggest counties. Uh, A lot of people. Maybe you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I promise flattery is not going to be given. So moving um, towards the end of our, our interview, where do, you, where do you see this session is going to end up? What, do, what are some of those big ticket items um, on the legislative docket that you've been following closely? It's coming soon. Yeah. I think this is something that's probably going to come over two years, starting this year and bridge to next To me, that's education is the most important. It's a huge part, portion of the budget.
Is that a personal issue for you? Oh. And right here in Maryland, the treasure of Maryland environmentally is our Chesapeake Bay. That, to me, is, has always been a major concern, that it's, it's not polluted, that it's clean, that our watermen can use it to draw an income from. It, I, I believe so, and I think that's going to take a joint effort from Delaware and Virginia and uh, Pennsylvania to, 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 to take a serious look and to, to, to get outside of any of the politics. And I wish politics didn't consume environmental discussions, but they do. Um, and for instance, there was the, the phone ban discussion today on the Senate floor. We, we could, we could be the first state to, to ban the, the styrofoam containers and my, they do Montgomery County is, is namely. So man, we talked about a lot tonight. So there's so much stuff to talk about. Agreed. How many staff do you oversee in your office? Oh, the insurance. So it, tell me, what are your final thoughts? Public service is a blessing and can be a curse, I'm sure. But um, I, I really appreciate the, uh, the the time that you spent with us tonight, and um, I will I'll be rooting for you because it's not an easy job, I can imagine. And when you're dealing with anything with the state's finances, um, you're responsible to the taxpayer. You're responsible to the taxpayer, and uh, I th- I think that um, 
the fiduciary responsibility of every member of the General Assembly um, and to the governor and the comptroller and all of our state leaders is that they're improving Maryland for the best and making changes and keeping in mind that uh, finances are tight for families and to, to get the best bang, I hate to use proverbially, but the best bang for their buck. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. State Treasurer Nancy Kopp, thank you so much for, for coming on. And uh, let's do this again. I want to get your take on national politics. That'll be a whole other discussion. Thanks so much.